I've asked the pastor if you would to read for me. I want you to take your Bible. Two places I want you to turn to. Second Samuel chapter four. And uh, is that in nine chapter? Second, yeah, and also in chapter nine. <clears throat> and I want to talk to you this morning about this subject. And, um, has to do with it. the words of David, is there not yet one left of the house of Saul that I may show mercy? All right, would you read it for us? <clears throat> Second chapter Samuel four. chapter 4, verse number 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and of Jonathan out oh of his God. Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and he was, and his name was Mephibosheth. Chapter 9. Chapter number 9. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant, name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sinned and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in, from Lodabar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan. <coughs> thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant? What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called unto Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou, therefore, and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. <clears throat> and Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. All right. Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> I appreciate that. I think the story is very plain concerning Mephibosheth. But I want to make just a spiritual application to it. And uh, it would be likened unto. It's not a parable. Parables are through the story with a heavenly meaning. and uh, But yet uh, there is a likeness of what God did for us. And I'm going to come through it as easy and as careful as I can and try to be a blessing to you this morning. This story is around a king and a crippled man named Mephibosheth. And it is told to us that there was a runner had come into the household of down in Lodibar at the house of Micah and uh, warned the nurse 
the enemy was coming. She grabbed up little Mephibosheth at five years age and fled out of the house and going somewhere to hide the child and to care for it. But on the way, she had dropped him and broke both ankles and he became a club-footed fellow for the rest of his life. So it's much like all of us. But now each one of these, I want them to play a role in the message this morning. We're going to look at Mephibosheth as a poor crippled sinner. We're going to consider David as the king. And what I'm doing, do no damage to the scripture whatsoever. And then Micah is the one that is holding little Ziba in his house, or Mephibosheth. So David is in the king's house where he should have been and sitting there one afternoon. He begins to think, let his mind reminisce in the past. Because if you remember earlier in the life of David, when he and Jonathan met, that God knit their hearts together and there was his one. And it was Jonathan that always looked out for uh, Samuel and made sure that he was taken care of. And uh, so here goes the story. David is thinking, a long time ago, war after war, I saw Saul in battle. And David and Saul, Saul was after David. But yet God had put such a love in the heart of David till he thought of that and said, I wonder. Now all of them have been killed and the battle has raged on for years and years. And David began to meditate and wonder, is there any that's left of the house of Saul Saul's dead. He's wondering, is there not one that I could just show kindness for my love for Saul and his entire family? So there's a fellow inside of the palace, and he's named Zebra. So he comes in, and David said, Art thou Zebra? Oh, yes, he said, I am. And this fellow knew the geography of the land. He kept up with the history. Some said he was a great historian, probably was. And he said, I want to ask you a question. He said, is there anyone that's left of the house of Saul that I want to show mercy? Age is moving on. And David knew. He didn't have long. And he said, yes. He said, there's one said uh, he's a house, uh, son of Jonathan, said um, the son of Saul. Well, where is he? Oh, said he's in the land of Lodibar. He is in the house of Maker. He said, well, go fetch him. I like that term, fetch him. When you find him, fetch him. Get him up, put him in the buggy, and bring him back. So he sets out and goes down, and is much type of the Holy Spirit. Now, Zippo's on a mission. He's got to find the house of Mecca. He's got to find that little fellow that's crippled named Mephibosheth. And so he inquires and finds the house of Mecca. And he said, is this where Mephibosheth lives? Yeah, he said, it is. Now, I want to describe to you a moment where he's at. He is in the land of Lodibar. That word Lodibar means a pastureless land. No bread. And look at his environment that he's living in. I thought of all the sinners that's out there wandering around saying, Where is the bread that will satisfy my poor hungry soul? I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, I am the bread. You can try all you will. But until you come 
and break bread and accept the Son of God, you'll never be satisfied. I wondered as a sinner, I was about 18 years old, and I, I wondered where will I find it. I tried the bowling alleys. I tried the ball games. I tried all you could name. And brother, there was a longing inside. And I wondered where that is. And one day I had a visitor. That was the Holy Spirit of God for sure. I came in from work, a troubled man. And uh, uh, my wife was sitting before an open fire, Rocky and I, our first child, our boy. And uh, we had supper. And I sat down. And I bought a Bible. Well, a fellow came by in Buckhead where I was working for my father and was building a great house there in Buckhead for some millionaire, whoever he was. And I sat down on that pile of lumber and I was eating my sandwich and I was wondering what in the world is going on. A fellow walked up and he said, pardon me, my name is so-and-so. And I sell Bibles. Said, are you interested? I said, I don't know. He opened it up and showed me where automobiles and Naaman was mentioned. You know, they're running and jostling one against another in the street. And he showed me, said, that's automobiles. Showed me other things. And I said, yeah, I'll take one of them. Now, here's what I thought. I thought, now, I'm going to get me some knowledge. And then I'm going to argue with folks about that. But I didn't know the conversation already been settled way up yonder. And God had a man to send by a country boy sitting on a load of the timber and knocked at the door. I didn't know what was going on. But I took that Bible home that night. I was so thrilled. I went walking in. My wife sitting there rocking and nursing that boy. And uh, I had that Bible. She said, what you got? I said, I bought me a Bible. And I laid it down on a little table at the bottom of that uh, bed. And uh, so I said, well, I'll, I'll study it later. But this is what I did. I opened it up and I wrote my name down. I think I put my wife's name down. I still got the old Bible, but I don't know. And I laid it back down and left it there. And uh, I, I sat down and I began to converse with my wife and... Uh, I don't know. I can't explain it. But it just felt like I ought to find out what it was. I was hearing that fellow quoting Scripture and all like that. I said, if I'm going to get me some Scripture to argue, I, I better read a little bit. And you know where that Bible fell open? To John 3.16. And I'm going to be honest with you, it was as black as sut on both pages except right down on the left page. At the bottom, it's the last verse. And it goes up to the top. And uh, it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I swallowed, closed that book. I went over there real easy and laid it down. I said, I'm never going to read that again. That thing's alive. That's exactly what I thought. I went walking down that big old wide hall in that beautiful home where my wife and I lived. And I said, I don't know what's going on, but I can't put up with this. There's somebody knocking on them's door. You know where I was at? I was in the land of Lodibar. Oh, where all the vegetation had wilted in the heat of the sun. And even the creeks had dried up. And poor old Mephibosheth was in a tolerable bad shape. Troubled bad shape. And so... Ziba walked in and said, where is he? And here that little fellow come out, crippled on both of them broken angels, and said, this is him. He looked at him, and he'd been told, and he knew he was a crippled lad. And he said, Mephibosheth, I want you to pack your luggage. The king wants you to come to his house. Ooh, why? Oh, yes. I'm going to tell you, not I saved. God knows I'm telling the truth. Ain't nobody ever acted like me. I'd have embarrassed everybody. I'd have embarrassed every Pentecostal that wasn't in the county. When I got saved, I'm telling you, 
I jumped up. And uh, my wife was praying. I ran out that door. I'm telling you the truth. I ran out that door through that picket fence. I turned left on that sidewalk. I, I ran up to the city dog pound. And I turned around. And here I come down through there past that house. I ran two blocks and stopped under a traffic light, a big old street light. And uh, there's a large old pole that's holding up coming across one street and the other. I said, uh, I'm telling you, I, I just loved everybody. I looked everywhere. I was looking for somebody to hug. And I wasn't a hugging kind. And there wasn't nobody hugging. I looked up the street on the Red Fern Sausage Company. Two men standing there and they just, they know what to think about that nut. I think I know what they're thinking. Call them fellows that put on a coat backwards. That guy's lost it. Now, I know a lot of people say, I give my experience one time, and a guy walked out and said, I never heard nobody hugging a telephone pole. If I'd heard him, I said, well, look at me and you'll see one. Yeah. There was nothing else to hug. It was right there in that sidewalk. I just reached up and grabbed me a hug around that. It, it looked like a porcupine turned upside down where they, you know, put them spurs in it. Climbing that, and I went to shouting, praise God, and dancing around that pole. I, I'm, I know Baptists not all to do that, but I wasn't a Baptist at that time. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, I, I, I stepped out. I started, I didn't a bit more know where I was at than our president knows where he's at. Well, I said yours, oh my God, help. But anyway, I went walking up that street. I'm, I'm telling you honestly, what happened? And I said, I, I wonder where my crowd is. I was making fun of them while I go up there in that house. There's all tearing on, shouting, praising God. And, uh, them old women, man, they done lost it. Praise God. They're standing before their rocker and they was praising God. And I thought, that's the craziest bunch I've been around. And I turned out to be the worst of all of them. And uh, I went up the street, uh, God bearing me witness, and I said, Lord, where's my crowd at? I could just see God say, ha ha! And I went up through, I heard this old Mayfield lady, there's two of them sisters, they fasted and prayed every Thursday for that Thursday night meeting. I'm not going back up and tell you how I got there. But God was in every bit of it, just like God was down there. In the land of Lodibar, looking for him. I tell you, he may be right here in this church this morning. In your Lodibar. And God saying, I've come looking for you. Oh, thank God. I went walking up that sidewalk. I said, Lord, where's my crowd at? I denied them a while ago. They embarrassed me. Directly, I heard one of the Mayfield women say, it come drifting through the ether waves of that air and kiss my mind. I stopped and had a spell. And you know what that is? Well, you ought to see one of them one time. I just danced around, praise God, and stood there and lift my hands up. Thank God. I hopped across the first street, got up on the sidewalk, and I hadn't gone long till I done lost my senses where they were at. And I said, Lord God, where did my crowd at? And directly she said, whoo, and I honed in on that, whoo. I went on up there and found that little picket fence turned in, went in there, and my wife was on her knees. I bowed and asked God to save her. She came up and joined me, shouting. Now, she didn't do such as that. Not Johnny, but she came up shouting. And... Now, I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of it, but God let me win five people that night in that meeting of four. Four. I was the fifth one that got saved in that meeting. But what I'm saying is, the greatest experience a man will ever have is being born again. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's got so dry in some of these Baptist churches. You know what I, what I do? Oh, you're going to think I'm a nut before I, I'm through preaching. I'm just getting wound up. But what I'm saying is, it's real. It's real. It certainly is. I had a phone call from a lady that I'd pastored her and 
her husband and family for years there in Atlanta when I pastored there at the Grace Baptist. And, uh, of course, I pastored Grace Baptist in Mableton. But while I was pastoring, her husband was a pastor. And, uh, of course, uh, years had passed. And uh, I had not seen but we kept in touch. In fact, her son is a song leader out there in Fullerville Baptist Church where I was brought up in. Well, when I say that's where I joined. I got a phone call from Tommy's mother, Hattie. And uh, you had to record it. I was down South Georgia at my little place. And, and so uh, my daughter called and said, Daddy, you got a long-distance phone call. And said, uh, you might ought to let me play it for you. She turned it on, put the phone up to it. And here's what it said. said, Brother Garland, this is Hattie. And I'm dying. I have this COVID. I have pneumonia. I'm dying, and I want you to pray for me. Love you for all you did, Horace. And then that was in Lafayette, Georgia. In about a week, she died, and I went to preach her funeral. And you know what the children talked? They gathered around me to the funeral home and said, Brother Odom, I want to tell you something. I said, all right. Said, uh, Mother, when she took sick and has taken her to the hospital, we had to gather around the bed. Said, she called, said, I want all the family, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, I want them to come. And said, we gathered around the foot of that bed and said, you know, Mother was a real witness. I said, yeah, I know that. Now, she'd witness to you. You just meet her and then she'd talk to you about Jesus. But she knew how. And said, uh, she said, I'm dying, but I want to know if there's one among you that's never been saved. And I want you to give me your testimony one by one. And said, every one of us gave our testimony. And this is what she said, is there yet one? Boy, I'm telling you. How wonderful. But poor old Mephibosheth down there crippled. And... Uh, if you look at him and understand why he said to David, Lord, why would you want me as a dog like I am? I'm helpless. I'm good to nobody. I could never sit on a throne. And uh, I, I could never be in an office. Well, you know, just go ahead and enlarge on him. But, you know, why would you want me? And, oh, David just said, because I love you. Amen. You know, I wonder why God would want a fellow like me. How many times I've stood in the mirror and looked at him and said, Garland, if you could answer me, tell me why God would ever save somebody like you. Amen. And it always Amen. seems in my mind, look at Calvary. I loved you Amen. and died for you that you might be saved. I had the privilege to win my mother. I won my wife. I won my children, all of them but one. We have three of one, two girls. And one of the girls was saved over at our church. I won my father to Christ. First time he come to hear me preach an old-fashioned home meeting. You know, we used to have prayer meeting at home. And we had it. But what I'm saying, God in particular who he saves. If it is, he would have bypassed me. He would have bypassed me. And so he said, the, the king's calling for you. Well, he said, uh, go pack your bags. He said, oh, maybe, maybe he said this. He said, that's all right, Mephibosheth. That's all right. You, you, you just come as you are. He went out and got, he's dirty, it's ragged, living in a pastureless land. No bread. Oh, what that bread will do to you? It'll make you love your enemies. It'll make you love your pastor. It'll make you love poor sinners. Oh, Lord have mercy, the things are growing. Just hope it don't get too long. Could I just tell you one story? Now I'm going to tell you. Now I'm not bragging. Please, please, don't, don't get that idea. But uh, three of the churches that I pastored, and especially where I sat at Grace in Mabel from 26 years of the day, I had a printer in the church. They own the largest printing 
business in Atlanta, and they did it for the big wigs like Coca-Cola and all that bunch. And he said, Pastor, if you'll write a book, we'll print it. It won't cost you a dime. I said, no. I don't know, Adam, come. My children have said, Daddy, would you please just put it down? I said, no. They think I was a nut and couldn't believe that. Let me tell you, uh, please, if, if you get need a break, bathroom's through there. Amen. Now, the preacher told me just to make myself at home, so I feel like I am. Now, if Brother Dent was around here, I wouldn't have to ask nobody. I'm telling you, when he told me, help yourself, I did. Praise God. So I feel like I can. And, uh, but I, I was called to the first church. Let me just say this. Uh, some of you think that he's bragging. Well, call him what you will. I sat in there and went to bed the other night. Let's see his last. Uh, no, 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 it was this past. Last week, I believe about Tuesday night, whenever it was, I laid down in the bed and I couldn't sleep. I got to thinking about, here's what with meditation. Spirit of God, as sure as you're sitting there, said, look at the churches you pastored. Six of them. First one I pastored, we had a miraculous thing happen. And that's the story I want to tell you. But not all of them, just one. In every church I went to, I knew where I was going when I would go, and I knew when I'd have to leave. Every one of them. I went through six churches, and every time I went to a new church, we had an outstanding conversion that people would on who added and said it would be almost him. I said that was God Amen. doing it on tape. First church, Little Cali Harbin Baptist Church, it was called Blackjack Baptist Church, there in uh, Paulden County. When you go out of Carroll County, it's Paulding County. My grandmother got under a burden for sinners. She also had four boys, and, uh, well, three of them were hers. She raised one, and uh, they all drank, got drunk. They gambled, and they did everything. And she was praying one day, and the Spirit of God said to Callie, <clears throat> just start a Bush Arbor meeting. Now, that was her living testimony. She told my grandfather, said, I want you to go to Atlanta, and I want you to get old preacher uh, Harbin and bring him out here. But first, I want you to get these men in this community. They live down uh, in the country out of the record. And uh, so they went down and got the old brush arbors, their brushes that people made arbors out of, and brought them and built an arbor. And laid that over the top and got him to come preach for a week. Drunks got saved, and uh, but it, it didn't affect her sons. I had the privilege to win them to Christ before they died. What a blessing. But listen, this old man lived up the road. And uh, there, it was a mile to the next house. I'm not exaggerating. It's a mile. Set up on the hill. And that old porch that went across the front of it had been blown off. And uh, you could get out and see the floor joists and look through to the other end. It was an old building. And a man by the name of, uh, first time I ever forgot his name. But anyway, uh, he lived up there. I'll think of it in a minute. Lord of mercy. Well, when you get 90 plus, you, you just overlook some yes, of that. Sir. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we had a rock down across from front of the church. And I just accepted the pastorate. And uh, we'd go down and pray every morning. We'd pick up a rock and say, uh, so-and-so's here. I'm going to lay him on the altar for God. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you was there and lost, I could walk up the aisle, hit him on the shoulder and say, day's your day, buddy. I'm telling you, there's so much conviction. That church is unreal. And so, uh, anyway, uh, I said, God has told me to go up here and visit with Carol Taylor. My uncle stand over there and said, <clears throat> I, I looked at him and said, He said, that old man will wear that hickory walker stick out over your head if you go up there. 
he got me afraid. And I, I was scared then. And God started working on me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It got worse and worse Thursday. And on Friday, God knows I'm speaking the pure truth. I got out on my face and I said, oh God, if you let me live, I thought God's going to kill me. I'm, I'm, I'm honest about that. It was getting sort of, I laid down my face. I said, oh God, if you let me live, I'll go visit him in the morning. i give him the head. He can have that. I got up Saturday morning, put on my little old suit, got in that 46 Ford. My wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going down to visit in the community, and I'm going to visit Cal Taylor. Well, I went down there. And uh, so I just pulled up and parked. The old man, the grass must have been that high, and he is 81 years old. I got out, and I'm going to tell you, I wasn't shouting. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't praising God. Nothing. My knees was bumping together. I walked up there. They had pulled a big old stone out and put it down where the porch used to be. And you step on that and right, right up in the house. I said, here. And I reached over and done that. I heard a chair move. I was in hopes wouldn't be home, to be honest with you. And I heard, I heard that chair move. I heard something go boom. That was his walking stick hitting the floor. I didn't know. And then he reached up and got that old white knob with old square locks. How many of you been around long enough you know what that is? That a skeleton key would unlock anything, especially that. And he reached up and turned it, and I can hear that old door now, because where he had swung it open, it started at nothing, and over here it was at least a quarter of an inch or more deep. He said, I still hear it. He moved and taking that walking stick and looked at me and popped it down. And he said, yes, young man, what can I do for you? Trembling, I said uh, to him, I said, Mr. Taylor, God's told me to come talk to you about Jesus. He looked me over, and I think he was thinking, no danger in this. He said, come on in. He walked up, but I kept my eye on him. Oh, I wasn't brave. I ain't telling you I was brave. I'd heard about that. He done killed his son-in-law at at a meal. They got in a fuss, a sawmill. He killed another man over a steel. He done served two times. And uh, he didn't say a word except, come in, young man. He has eyes on me, and I was looking out of peripheral vision of my eye. Walked on over there and he closed that door and I said well I've had it now but I'm going to tell you I believe somebody has been there so anyway I sat down he said uh, you sat down right there in that chair I said yes sir he sat on the side of the bed and that old house was so old where the fireplace it done been burned out and you could see outside of that uh, old fireplace. And uh, he walked over there, turned around, sat down the bed, pop! And he did this, laid his hand across the handle of that. Now, he was the cleanest, neatest looking old man with a white mustache. Now, he was as square as a tube of 12. He was nothing but muscle. And then he said, Now, young man, you just tell me what the Lord told you, told me about. And I take him like a child. And I started telling him how much God loved him. He went to the cross and paid the price. So I told him the old, old story. I got up and I said, Mr. Taylor, I want to thank you that you let me tell you that story. He didn't say a word. He didn't say goodbye, come back, have a good day. Walked over there. Pull that door back open. And I left and he still hadn't said nothing. I got my car and I'm going to be honest with you. Hmm. Zibba didn't have anything on me when he got up and hobbled to that buggy. I got in that Ford. I went on down to the church and tried to turn around and I was so happy. I shouted, kicking the bottom of that. I, I used to, I, I still do some of that. 
you come over that little place one night and you hear me carrying on in there and say, I wonder if Brother Odom's lost it. No, praise God, I'm looking at it. Amen. There's the fountain and I've been by it and got washed. But let me tell you, the next Sunday morning, see, we didn't, we didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have it back then. This old building. They drug, they brought that from the old suffer mines, tore that down, brought that second hand material over there and built Kelly Harbin Church and they named it after my grandmother, Kelly, an old preacher Harbin. And, uh, but anyway, on Sunday morning, I'm standing up on that big platform. It's about six inches high. It had never, it, all they did subfloored it. A woman high heel shoes that get hung in it. You have to be careful. I'm not, I'm not joking. Where they planed it to the end, it'd be a half inch higher than the other. But anyway, I was standing there and, uh, we were fixing to have service and, uh, I looked up and seen him. When he pulled that screen door open and put his foot up on that big rock, we had one as a step, put that cane in it, and he said, bow, hit him. And you know, Paul talked about overtones, undertones. Undertones is what always bothered me. You know, they're whispering. Don't you hear it? Overtones, they don't care who hears it. Praise God. And uh, so when he hit that and walked in, they were just all overtones of talking, and it just died out from the front to the back to the pulpit. And they looked, and you could see, oh, oh. He came all the way up, and when he got there, he turned, walked right out here, and my uncle was sitting there. That old man sat down beside of him. I looked at my uncle. My uncle looked at me and said, you know, this is amazing. When I preached and made the invitation, I still see it. I still see it. Oh, there's zippers that needs to be reached. He got just popped that cane down the first step. And here he come walking, and I looked over, tears dripping over that white, beautiful mustache, well shaved, clean as a pen. And he said, I, I want to go on the church and be baptized. But could I back up? I just got to tell you this. We was down there praying that morning. And uh, this is whenever he's going to come into church. And we've been praying, laying rocks on that altar. And uh, so anyway, we heard something go, shh, 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 like rubbing two sheets of sandpaper together. We looked up through the woods. And it wasn't none but briars and bushes. And down out of them bushes come a young man. And he's wild looking. He said, Brother Odom, Brother Odom. <laughs> he, I said, what in the world's wrong with you, boy? He said, cow tail, cow tail. I said, well, what about cow tail? said, he ran out and stopped me. And he said, for me to come down here and ask you if he could join the church. I said, well, if he saved, he can. Now, I'm not, I'm not putting on. He is puffing. He said, to tell you, he got saved Amen. when you left. I said, well, go back and tell him, come on. So I went back up there. Make a long story short. He's done come up, you know. He's standing there beside me. And I said, Mr. Taylor has come for baptism in membership of the church. And I said, uh, he wants to give a word of testimony. Now, we look like Mutt and Jeff. He reached over and put his arm around me, and he said, folks, I want to say. You know what I believe? I don't know where the port of entry is, but I believe that old man will be there. Hey, brother, praise God. And we'll shout and have a good time. You believe what you want to. I'm having fun. Yes, God in the land. And he put his arm around me and he said, I want to say that this little preacher boy came yesterday and told me something no man's ever told me. It bothered me. And oh, I couldn't get over it. 
And said, I got all my knees up at my house, bowed by the bed. And I said, oh God, if what that little preacher boy said is real, I want it. And he said, I've got it. He picked me up off of the floor. I don't know, two or three or four inches. I told some of them, I said, my chin rubbed his belt buckle. And we both had a spell. I baptized him and my father two Sundays ago. Uh, later, because I pastored my home church the next Sunday. And uh, just to make a long story short, uh, I had that privilege. And his daughter came and got him. Now, I knew he'd been sick. And his daughter uh, just uh, informed us, Dad's sick. After I baptized him on Sunday, his daughter came, if I got it right on Monday or Tuesday, one of those days, and got him. And he was in a bad way. She carried him to Dallas, Georgia, to live with her. And uh, the old man died. I preached his funeral the week that I baptized him. He went home to be with the Lord. Oh, how wonderful. Let me get back to poor Mephibosheth. I just had to tell you that. Oh, thank God. I tell you, if I told you some things God told me to go do and didn't even know where he was at, who, what name he was, where they lived at, and went right exactly in the place God wanted to and go and knock on the first door. And there he was, dying with cancer. And his wife began to praise God and weep and said, God has sent us a preacher. He's going to tell you, honey, how you can be saved. That happened several times. I'm not here to talk about that. Poor Mephibosheth. Well, here he comes hobbling out of there, out of Maker's house. He bid him farewell. Oh, he had eaten so poorly. <coughs> that land was poor. Micah's house was poor, but he took care of Mephibosheth. And then Ziba, type of the Holy Spirit, said, get right here in the chair. We're going to the king's palace. That's where all of us headed for. Amen. He set him up in there. He reached up and grabbed them and oh, and away they went. Hey, you ought to read what uh, Ziba carried with him. Lord, and mercy, you need the rest of that story. And I'm not going to get it. How, how much he carried. He carried enough of to food. I mean, it was Jewish food. All that good stuff he had on that. Got to the palace and carried him in. Now, here's what he done. Now, this isn't recorded, so don't, don't you say that. That's in the book. I'm going to paraphrase it, okay? He, it happened. I don't know how it happened. But he said... Mephibosheth, follow me. He brought him in and he said, now look, the king's waiting. He'll be in his parlor in just a little while in the dining area. But uh, you need a bath and I'm going to bathe you real good. He carried him in there. It wasn't a shower. He probably ducked him, whatever he did. Got him a brush and got him some good ivory soap. And he gave him one more bath. He gave him a nice haircut. Looked like a man. I just had to throw that in. And uh, so, anyway, he says, All right, now follow me. The king is waiting. And he goes hobbling in. And when he walks in the door, there sits King David at the table. And David is looking at him in compassion. And the Spirit of God, old Ziba said, sit down right there. Oh, but he said, wait just a moment. He fell down and said, oh, King, why, why me? I'm a dead, as a dead dog. Old David looked at him and when Mephibosheth raised up and looked at him, he could know he was welcomed in the palace. How wonderful. And he said, Ziba, that'll be your seat. And uh, Mephibosheth, that'll be your seat. Now, Ziba, you make sure that he's at my table from now on, forever, at my table. The other servant, they'll eat somewhere else, but I got something for him. 
I'm going to chop off about 30 minutes of this message. Don't shout yet. Wait a minute. And uh, so anyway, he said, Ziba, uh, uh, I, I want you to tell him. Tell him what we got for him. Do you remember when the Holy Spirit came? He might have been sitting on a pew. He might have been trying to dodge that conviction. He might have been at home. Could have been an old tent meeting. So many of them I preached and see them walk down that sort of style and bring you to a knowledge you needed, Jesus. Well, Ziba said, Mephibosheth, the king wants me to tell you. Your grandfather had lost all that land the enemies had taken, everything Saul had. But then he went into battle, the king, and he went in for you, and he won it back. And he wants you to know that he's going to give you back all that your father had lost. Folk, let me tell you something. You haven't lost a thing. All you've ever invested I tell you, there's interest to be paid on that. Oh, yeah. Now, the grace of God didn't put you in debt. Set you free. But whenever he got him washed, he put him on a brand new cloak. Combed his hair. Dyed him up. Went in there and presented him to the king. Have you ever wondered how the Spirit of God presented you? Washed away all your sins. Oh yes. One day later, well, David and the king had a meal together. And the king said, David, now son, you'll always eat at my table. Aren't you grateful we don't have to go down down some in bars and eat at their table? Thank God. Aren't you glad you got a place where you can come and say the table is spread and I'm going to sit down and enjoy myself and I'm going to munch on the goodness of God. Taste of the Lord and see that He's good. Oh, thank God. He he said, Ziba, in the morning, I'm going to take you for a ride. Mephibosheth, I'm going to take you a ride. Ziba said that. So he comes out. Gets up into that buggy or either straddles one of those uh, horses. I, I think he went in the chair. I don't know. And he carries him and he said, uh, Mephibosheth, you might not remember, but that stake and far as you can see is another one. And said, that now belongs to you. And I'm going to show you all the land that you'll... And by the way, your servants is already in the field. They're gathering it up for you. Oh, what a day. When I pastored the Mount Ever Baptist Church in Marietta, there was an old couple started coming to the church. And they'd say, you know, uh, preacher, uh, we want you and your wife to go and uh, have lunch with us. Well, they owned a big brick home up on the top of a hill. Beautiful, wealthy old man. One Sunday we went up there. He had a large family, but all of them was married and gone. He had made a table and made the benches for it. It was beautiful. And uh, when we sat down and was eating, he said to me, he said, Now, preacher, when you're through eating, he said, uh, I want to take you out and show you my place. I said, All right. So when we did, uh, I got up and uh, walked out with him. We walked out. We got off the patio and just, I say, about 10 feet from there stopped. And he said, just hold it. He said, do you remember where you came off of Sandy Plains? And I said, "Uh, yeah. He said, right there in the corner, from there to here, I own it. I don't know how many miles was around over there. I'm, I'm not joking. He said, now I want to show you. Said, you see that big poplar tree over yonder on the mountain? I said, yes, sir, I can barely see it. He said, my stop line is right there. There's a stop driven down the side of that. <clears throat> and he said, now you can't see the line on the other side. <clears throat> I stand with that poor fella. I didn't have nothing to show. Boy, it hit me. And I said, Uncle Pete. He said, yeah. I said, I want to show you something. 
He said, what, what, what is it? I said, I, I want you to look, look, look. He thought I'd seen a flock of geese. I said, just look, look. I took my time. And I said, just keep looking. And he and I both turned all the way around. And I, I, I said, look, look, look. And Uncle Pete said, uh, what, what is it? I said, I was trying to show you the lines that I own. I own all of that. And more too, I'm heirs to that. That's my land. He just runched over and put his arm around me and laughed. He said, that's right. Praise God, you, you just look around. The devil may get it, but it would be like MacArthur when he left the Philippines. We will return. Amen. Yeah, we're coming back. Let him go ahead and have it. Well, let's, let's go on. Let me finish. I know, I know the meal's getting cold. But uh, anyway, he takes him out and shows him all of that. And every time he eats at the king's table. Now, of course, as I said, I'm going to chop off the rest of that. But here it is. I once was in the land of Lodibar. Nothing I found ever satisfied. But oh, when he came to me. And I said, yes, Lord. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You may not agree with this, but that's all right. It worked for me. I sat on the arm of that chair over there at that prayer meeting, making fun of them. Them uh, two sisters is bowed down there praying. And I didn't know I was going to win them two and my wife and an old man sitting on the couch and me saved too. But it did. I said, I said to my sister, sitting on the arm of that big old chair, I said, before you know it, they'll have all of them on their knees. <laughs> About that time, Bob Cole, he owned all that land where Six Flags is. Walked over. He had a little bit of chicken pin eyes. They sat right together. He walked over there, stuck out his hand, and said, young man, would you like for us to pray for you? Oh, Lord have mercy. You couldn't have laid my heart on an anvil. Hit it with a 40-pound sight uh, hammer and do more damage he did. I come over there a crying and saying, yes, sir. Now, here's it. I don't know what I said, but it worked. Right. Amen. So, well, your evidence of it, it worked. I don't know what I said, but God knew whatever teardrop meant. I was a broken man. I'd been looking for something to satisfy. That's when I had a running spell. I had to run. I've been running ever since. I'd embarrass most folk. I tell you what, I'm going to tell you this one. Shut up. So help me. Boy Scouts honor. This fellow called me from up north. And uh, he said, uh, is this brother Odom? I said, sure is. He said, this so and so and so and so. And uh, he told me where he's at up there. And uh, I believe it was Michigan somewhere. And uh, used to be the largest church in America. And he said, I want you to come preach a revival. And I said, okay. We set it up. And I thought, my soul in the morning. Go up there and preach. Now, them Yankees, they're different. I know when I, I went there to Canada to preach camp meeting, the old Methodist campground, I was all over that stage, me and that other fella, and them folks sitting there looking at me. They thought I, I come in on a load of pumpkins, fell off and bruised my head. I reckon. And uh, so I went up there. But anyway, uh, anyway them, them fellows up there, I'm not making fun of them. God bless them. They had a message. You know, some folks can stand getting a monotone. And, uh, you know, talk. It's, it's all right if they won't do that. I don't care. But uh, there was nobody emotional in my family that got saved. They still don't. But that didn't keep me from it. But anyway, I went up there and, and my associate carried me out to the airport. And I said, Clay, I want to ask you a question. He said, what is it, Pastor? I said, what in the world does that fellow want me up there to preach revival? He said, Pastor, I don't know. But he said, I believe God's in it. I said, okay. I want to tell you everything about it. I was picked up in a, uh, a Mercedes, carried downtown. Now, this is God's truth. They gave me a private swimming pool. They sure did. 
Because I wonder what behind that door. It was bigger than that. And before God, that bed was so wide, you could roll over and over without falling out of it. Now, I didn't even bring my trunks to swim in. I didn't bring a camera to take my picture. And uh, so anyway, I opened the door, and there was a pool. I'm not, I'm not joking you. It's, it's about, as, about as long here. They could have been that long. I don't know. I was overwhelmed, so I closed the door. I couldn't believe it. But I got up and preached on Monday night. I won't ever forget what I preached on that night. Don't reap the corners of the field. Our fields uh, of the corner has not been reaped. You remember that in the Old Testament. God said, don't bother the corner of them. That's for the reapers. Them poor folk come here and get that. But I preached that night. And the Spirit of God said, don't make no offering. Yeah, uh, just as real. Mm-hmm. Don't give no invitation. Tuesday night, Spirit of God said, no invitation. And I noticed they looked kind of strange. And on Wednesday night, God just turned it on. And I just fell in that way. And the Spirit of God said, make an invitation. Now please, don't, don't take this that I'm right. I'm not. I'm bragging on him what he will do when you hear what he has to say. Gave the invitation. They started crowding the aisles. Didn't have enough of personal workers. Pastor got up and said, let me make an announcement. I want everybody to listen. Said, we don't have enough personal workers to take care of these that have come forward. Well, he had a choir twice as big as what I was pastoring. It didn't bother me. I am what I am of the grace of God. I don't apologize for nothing. He said, now, we don't have enough of personal workers. Brother Odom's going to say a word to all of you, and uh, they're going to take him back to the hotel, and uh, we're going to spend the time here in prayer. Next night, came at me and said, Brother Odom, you don't have any people who got saved? I said, no. He said, 75 of them walked out and got saved and gave their testimony. What a blessing of God. What a blessing of God. How good God is. Well, let me tell you, if you're in Lodibar, you need to come out. You're in a pastureless land where there is no bread. Oh, there's nothing like a good hot biscuit and some good gravy and sop for a while. Now, some folks don't even know what sopping is. I've, I've preached some places, they say, I know what they're saying, what sopping Hey, just take a piece of that biscuit and run it through that gravy. And eat it, sop it, pick up that side meat and munch on it. But I tell you what, he said at the king's table, you know where we Christians feast at? There's nothing in this world satisfying inward hunger except the Lord. And oh, how he can just fill your heart and you just get satisfied. We're going to stand and I'm going to cut it off right there. Where's the musicians? Amen. Look. Zebah brought him a Mephibosheth, a poor crippled boy. But oh, he said, I'm like a dog, I'm no need. Oh, but David said, son, you don't know what's in for you. See, uh, I'm past 90. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I kind of feel like I live for the rapture of the church. I sure hope I do. But if I don't, I'll see y'all over there. But when I started preaching, never did I ever know that anything could be so real as God. I want you to take a look. And I'm not bragging. It's been a miracle of God in my life. He's been so real to me, I'm honest. Kind of be fearful at times. God's so real. And see God do what He did. But I look back and I have no regrets. I'm still going to the king's table. Sitting down eating. Praise God, pass the hot biscuits. Good and brown. Them old ones just rolled out by the hand. I don't mean none of them pops out of the can. 
Praise God, give me some real biscuits. Why are we saying? What are we saying? All right. That's exactly like Mephibosheth went, just as he was. He gave him a nice room. Look in his wardrobe. Oh, my goodness. Ziba said, I never saw anything like that. And they're all yours. But we wear a garment that's like unto him. 